I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Pallavi and I'm a reporter for Vice World News. And I'm currently based out of India, but in a couple of hours, I am catching a flight and moving to Jakarta. I was born in India and I've grown up in this country. Um, I studied over here and eventually I became a journalist. And I've been a journalist in this country for around 10 years. In the fall of 2021, journalists across India found themselves cornered by rules impacting media organizations. The government tightened restrictions on what's called the Foreign Direct Investment Laws, which regulate the amount of international funding companies can receive, effectively making it so that foreign-owned companies can no longer produce news content in India. The shift put journalists working at foreign media outlets in a bind, right? They could either stay in the country and risk having their publishers shut down, or they could move out of the country and report on India from afar. My colleague, Pulavi Pundir, is one of those people. She chose the latter. She decided to leave. In February of 2022, she moved to Jakarta, Indonesia. I am moving to Jakarta. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been packing up my whole life in one giant suitcase. And uh, it's very interesting that I started learning Bahasa so that I'm able to understand the local language. So yeah, I'll be traveling for the next two to three days and I'll be in Jakarta on the 9th. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sekarno Hatta International Airport where the local time is half past three in the afternoon and the temperature is 30 degrees Celsius. Please keep your seatbelt fastened until the sign has been switched off. India has clamped down tightly on freedom of speech. American web services provider Yahoo shut down its news operations in India today due to the new foreign direct investment rules. Is democracy being dismantled in Narendra Modi's India? My phone number address were put out. Burnt copies of Gujarat files were at my doorstep with some blood on them. But the point is, this is my country. These are my people. I'm Ariel Zimras. This is Vice News Reports. Over the last eight years, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi has been slowly transforming the country. His latest attack on journalism has impacted us at Vice, but it's also forced the shutdown of entire bureaus, like the India Huffington Post and Yahoo News. 
But of course, many journalists have decided to stay. For this episode, I hand off to Pulavi, who spoke with the award-winning journalist Rana Ayub, based out of Mumbai. Over the last decade, she's been one of the most targeted journalists in India. She has been harassed for everything from her identity to her finances, and she still refuses to leave. Rana and Pallavi dig into how the rise of Prime Minister Modi has led to an increase in incidents against minorities, a crackdown on journalists and activists, and the decline of India's democracy. Pallavi takes it from here. Hi, Rana. Hi, Pallavi. Could you introduce yourself? Pallavi, I'm the global opinions writer at the Washington Post. I'm also an independent journalist and writer. I live in Mumbai, but report from all across India and South Asia. So, Rana... Over the past few weeks, it's been really hard for us to schedule this interview because uh, you've been going through a lot. Could you tell me what's been happening? I'm being investigated for my alleged foreign sources of income. There's a group called the Hindu IT Cell, which is a Hindu supremacist group. These people filed a complaint against me on the basis of money laundering. And yes, it was basically a lynch mob that came against me. A barrage of more than 200,000 tweets and same number of Instagram posts and Facebook posts were generated against me. So uh, that's what the last three weeks of my life have looked like. This is a lot to unpack, Rana. And I just wanted to ask you, like, you know, like, how does all of this make you feel? You know, like, what's going on in your head? It was overwhelming. Uh, It drove me to a point where I almost contemplated leaving the profession. But I guess that's exactly what they want. They want me to leave the country. They want me to stop doing the journalism that I do. So, Rana, as an investigative journalist, what kind of stories compel you? You know, like, what kind of stories do you love chasing? The kind of stories that I like really reporting on are the ones that are about violation of human rights, uh, that are about injustices, whether it's happening in China to the Uyghurs, whether it's happening in Myanmar. India has already not taken responsibility for Rohingyas who are trying to cross over, they're trying to send them back. Um, I think this incident certainly shows that India really needs to have a moral compass. Where does this leave 4 million citizens? They are now rendered homeless whether it's happening to the Muslim community in India. It's a rhetoric which basically is aimed at polarizing Indian, Hindus and Muslims. A lot of people say, is it activism? I would say it's active journalism. So that's who I am. Sorana, when did you start to become aware of religious politics in your life? We were the only Muslim family and we never felt insecure. I was just one amongst everybody. But on 6 December 1992... Hindu activists from all over India came to Ayodhya that day to correct what they perceived as a historical injustice. The demolition of the Babri Masjid was to happen. The mosque has been a flashpoint between Hindus and Muslims in the Indian subcontinent for more than 150 years. Babri Masjid, which was an iconic mosque, it was demolished by the Indian right wing whose leaders are now in political power. The destruction sparked national and international protests by the Muslim community. Towns and cities were swept by rioting, and more than 2,000 people were killed. And that's the time I was made to realize my religious identity. Uh, My life changed after that. Even in school, the kind of communal slurs I had to face. 
even today i have nightmares that i am shutting the doors and the windows of the house and getting my family members in 9293 also changed the nature of indian politics in 1984 the bjp the current ruling party in india and the party which many hindu nationalists turned to held two seats in the lower house of the indian parliament less than 4 years after the demolition the number rose to 161 where the men who organized it and the men who conspired it became the leaders of India and that made a lot of us realized who we were as our religious identity and i think personally if justice had been done then this injustice that we see every day would not have happened It's important to remember again that key leaders of the BJP which is the current ruling party in India they spearheaded the campaign which led to these horrific riots and violence in 1992 and so it changed the secular nature of politics in India but personally rana how did the babri masjid demolition impact you I think what happened in 92 completely scarred me in fact I went to Gujarat in 2002 to get closure to, to you know because i felt helpless when 92 happened i was a kid and i felt like okay let me do something that might help officials estimate that more than 1000 people were killed during these communal riots they were triggered by the death of almost 60 hindu pilgrims in a train fire allegedly started by muslims and communal tension broke across the city I have never seen never ever in my life seen the hatred that communities had for each other that I saw in 2002. Many blame the state's chief minister and now prime ministerial candidate Narendra Modi. They say he failed to stop the attacks, an accusation dismissed by an official investigation and his supporters. Then of course Prime Minister Narendra Modi was the chief minister of Gujarat back then. And so this trip set the foundation for your book Gujarat Files. I remember I was a young journalist back then and I used to read your interviews about how you reported it and it was absolutely bone chilling. Could you tell me why this investigation was so important to you? So this was an investigation where I posed as a student of the American Film Institute Conservatory. I gave myself a Hindu name, Maithili Tyagi, and I went undercover with multiple cameras on my body. And I can I took confessions from people who spoke about Mr. Modi's complicity in not just the Gujarat genocide of Muslims but also the extrajudicial murders. Every editor in the country kind of eased out saying we can't publish. I I used to go to my psychiatrist very often because I this entire investigation put a self doubt and I was like am I not a good journalist um I borrowed some money from friends and I self published Gujarat files and I translated all the tapes and I put it out there and I called a press conference of all journalists I've been telling my family for the the last two weeks i mean when the when i got the first copy they said do you feel anything i said i'm feeling different because it's been a fight for the last 5 years i promised myself i won't cry which is why i keep saying had i not developed an international profile i would not have been alive today because the indian media completely threw me under the bus with my investigation and with my work after the break
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So Rana, when you published your book in 2016, it really made you an enemy of the state and of Prime Minister Narendra Modi himself. Can you paint a picture of what happened in the years following? Um, 2018, uh, my image was morphed on a porn video and I saw it on the fan page of a BJP guy. It's circulating on his WhatsApp group. And I was doxxed. My phone number address were put out. Burnt copies of my of Gujarat files were at my doorstep with some blood on them. Horrible phone calls saying, we know you stay at this particular building and you, we know you stay on the seventh floor and we know that you are in the NDTV studio. So it's a price that not just I have had to pay, but also my entire family has had to pay the price for my journalism. You know, Rana, this type of harassment that you just mentioned, journalists being stalked and harassed, you know, like these are the moments where I question if the crackdown on media has gone too far. And I question what kind of democracy we're living in right now. Do you feel like India is a democracy? I remember in 2016 when I launched my book, everybody would ask me this question about what do you think of the Indian democracy? And I would take great pride in saying, whatever you say, do not attack the Indian democracy because I have absolute faith in the institutions, the fundamentals, the constitution. But over the years, I mean, even in the last five years now, I now have come to a point where I say that the Indian democracy now is only on paper. To see its institutions crumbling, to see our judges just holding on to crucial judgments. Late last year, a school in the southern Indian state of Karnataka implemented a hijab ban. It told its female students you cannot wear hijab to school. That ban spread to other schools in the southern state and so did protests criticizing it. Like you see in the hijab ban and the judge is still is still arguing on that and ask them to put their fundamental right on hold. I don't think it something like this happens in a functional democracy. So Rana, we've seen obvious political setbacks, you know, like the government conceding to the farmers' protests and backing off on their reforms, or receiving widespread criticism against the COVID response. And yet Modi is still largely popular. Why do you think that is? One of the reasons why I think Modi is popular is a massive divide and communal polarization in the country. I mean, if you hear the speeches of all the top leaders, what is the rhetoric about? Mm-hmm. 
it's about muslims it's about pakistan it's about terrorism it's about alluding the badge of terrorism to muslims so what is this if it's not polarization when the chief minister of the largest state in india on an open platform in a television interview calls muslims as racist slur he has created this imagined victimhood amongst the majority community that their resources are being snatched away from them by people in the minority so you will see these whatsapp forwards and fake news that muslims are going to dominate the population of india by 2050 they are going to rule us they are taking our resources so i think this man prime minister modi is only banking on the victimhood of the majority and the communal polarization that's where like most majoritarian leaders we see with bolsonaro in brazil you see what duterte is doing in philippines they're all playing from the same playbook and modi is no different so run over the last few years we've seen the crackdown on media intensify a lot we've seen journalists being censored on social media we've seen the shutdown of entire news publications and we've even seen arrest and detention of journalists who cover modi's government in a way he doesn't like and so i was just wondering you know like how do you feel about journalists who decided to leave and have you ever considered leaving yourself see the entire fdi laws that have been brought in the news media what is the attempt because the indian media has already been captured by the indian state that leaves us with outlets that are run by foreign publications so how do you kind of silence them and like you said you bring in laws that will silence them you bring in laws that will force journalists to move from the country i'm sure you are doing journalism from jakarta but for me i don't have that choice i don't work for any publication that allows me to report about india from out of india but even given the choice probably i would not live because here is i have live, i live with my family i can't leave i can't leave them because they have also been targeted by the governments but the point is this is my country these are my people whether it are muslims or hindus or sikhs these are my people i think i belong here i really belong here i'm not leaving india i'm not going anywhere neither am i stopping my journalism we all march on like everybody else and i'm not the only one who's doing this there are so many young journalists in india who are doing this jayot for doing his job kashmiri photojournalist kamran yusuf has been held since september over accusations of treason and attempting to wage war against india and reporting on kashmir a disputed region between india and pakistan is especially difficult so why just me i mean i at least have a clout and the power and the privilege of being on social media and having so many allies journalists like siddiq kapan and uh, and fahad who was arrested in kashmir none of them have my privilege yeah you're up planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Absolutely right. You know, like I follow stories of journalists in Kashmir 
and how they go through extraordinary challenges in order to just report like they have to work without internet or they use pseudonyms or they lie about their identity for safety you know like with the extremes like kashmir in mind how do you look at the future of journalism in india you know when i look at kashmiri journalists i feel like they are the bravest that exist i mean far far braver than any one of us can be young bright journalist 2021 with absolutely no uh, legal aid with no editorial protection with no editorial freedom and they're still doing it because they want to do this so um journalists like all dictatorships will always be the enemy of the state especially in a place like kashmir where talking about human rights abuse is like a bad word where mainstream media will not talk about human rights in kashmir because it's like hey that's a territorial issue and the worst thing that can happen to a journalist is when they have to self censor because self censorship is literally crushing the soul of a journalist Thank you so much for sitting down with us Rana and taking the time despite everything that's going on and we look forward to whatever's next coming your way. Thank you so much Pallavi and I hope you can continue to do your journalism for while sitting in Jakarta but reporting on India because right now we need all hands on deck. Absolutely. Absolutely all hands on deck. Thank you so much Rana. This story was reported by Pulavi Pundir and produced by Steph Brown. Vice News Reports is produced by Sophie Kazis, Jen Kinney, and Adriana Tapia. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek, Sam Greenspan, and Stephanie Karyuki. Our associate producers are Steph Brown, Sam Egan, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pran Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer is Adisa Egan. and the VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Fact checking by Catherine Barner. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. I'm Ariel Jonas. It's the end of the show, so it's time for me to ask you that if you have the time, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts because it really does help other people find the show. Vice News reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week.